1: Hey there, ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I am very excited to introduce you to today's guest. Our guest is a true Renaissance woman. She's a writer, an audiobook narrator, a business lady, fashion icon, and a true creative with a thirst for travel. Please welcome to the mic, Chloe Day. Ryan, how
0: dare pew, you pew, call pew, me pew. a fashion
1: icon in
0: this year of our Lord 2020. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but thank woo. you. Yeah, absolutely. I saw the blonde. I saw the blonde.
0: <laughs> yeah, the blonde. I mean, I've been through a lot of phases. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the bangs phase right now. I don't know if you know that, but I am now bronzed. I've gone Ooh. to a bronze color and I've cut bangs into my hair. So and
1: you cut the bangs. Yeah.
0: No, I did not. I've been maintaining oh. the bangs, but uh no, I went to a professional lady uh who is honestly probably gave me mm-hmm. the best haircut I've ever had. So go Shirley. She was amazing.
1: Shout out to Shirley.
0: Shirley, give bangs to people. What's up? <laughs> yeah, she did. What's up? what's up, girl? Yeah, so that's me. <laughs> How you been, Chloe? How have I been? I be You know what? Honestly, Ryan I cannot complain. I've been very fortunate this year um, compared to a lot of people who've been dealing with quite a lot, burdening quite a lot uh, on their shoulders, and that's just not um, been my situation this year. So honestly, I feel like I just cannot complain, and in addition to just feeling like I cannot complain, I've also been pretty darn good. Um, Yeah, things are good. I'm, I'm feeling very settled here. In Seattle, mm-hmm. that's good.
1: So, for those of you at home that don't know, um, Chloe has managed to set up so many new homes and new lives in her <laughs> short time on this earth that you would assume she's been here since the dawn of time. But she's really <laughs> just, only in her late twenties.
0: Just my my late twenties, exactly, yeah. which is true, <laughs> and not at all a few years off of thirty one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've never been good at math, but
1: those are skills for other people.
0: Yes, for the others, not for us. But
1: let's let's just start from the beginning. Let's start in Texas. So, mm-hmm. Chloe Day, a wonderful Texas woman, born in Dallas? Yeah, I was born in Dallas County. And you grew up there. You didn't move around Texas a lot, did you?
0: No, not a lot. Um there was a key pivotal move when I was super young, um, where I lived with my grandparents on their farm, which is about two hours outside of Texas, or outside of Texas, outside of Dallas, (laughs) very much in Texas, in East Texas. Um, And that was a really, I don't know, really cool, definitive experience for me, being a little kid, getting to hang out with your grandparents. My grandparents were particularly wonderful. Um, So yeah, so I lived with them for a few years. And then we moved back to Dallas, kind of this time outside of Dallas, and that's where I grew up in the suburbs of uh, Dallas-Fort Worth.
1: And what are what are like some of the key things you love about growing up in Texas? Because I have an affinity for people who are from Texas. I don't know why. I grew up in Oregon, nowhere near there, but I just I love certain aspects about Texas people, and I'm wondering if they match up with yours.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. In my experience, um, people from Texas are often the best people. So mm-hmm. I, I get why you'd feel that way. Uh, no, <laughs> I've I've adjusted that perspective. But definitely, when I left Texas for college, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> but but I do still have a very very high opinion of. Uh, of growing up in Texas and the Texans that I, that I know now and and knew then and and whatever. Um, But yeah, I guess. So the question is, what are some definitive things that I thought was like really wonderful about growing up in Texas or living in Texas that you like take with you? Oh yeah. So I think about this actually a lot. I used to think that my elementary school and my middle school were like in a magical capsule, and really, if I'm honest, that kind of extended on into high school. Just because maybe it was my rose-tinted glasses. I was like a super optimistic, very imaginative child. So I was just like, man, everyone is just lovely. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> anyways, um, sorry, I went off on a mental tangent for a mere moment, but. But anyway, I really did just kind of walk around with like a song in my heart uh, about how great everyone was. I really loved going to church when I was little, and even though I've kind of um, adjusted my my views on how I view- how church fits into my life and, and the whole idea of church in general, I really consider it a very positive thing that I I did and experienced at a young age, and I think that all in all. Um, bible belt quote unquote the church having such a big presence and hold uh in Texas really defines a lot of the people there so mm-hmm. you experience quite a bit of um at least in my case you know quite a bit of baseline for kindness and generosity and um you know i i can't say that it was like the height of diversity in where i lived in Texas either so there's there's that like there's an edge of of that as well but i did I did always just feel like we had a big mindset of the meek will inherit the earth. If you're familiar with that
1: oh, piece yes, of scripture. Yes, yes. Yep.
0: And, and I think that led to a lot of people being very kind to folks from all, um, walks of life and, and experiences. And yeah, I just grew up like super anti-bully because of it. And I really am glad that that happened, that I wasn't a little asshole you know, or something. Yeah. Um, and, and therefore not a lot of people bullied me either, which like, I've, pretty grateful for. Um, yeah, I, I might have been considered like a little odd or bizarre, but yeah, so a lot of kindness, a lot of warmth from people, and definitely some really tough, like s- certainly really super gender typical uh, kind of behaviors in Texas that I think make it makes growing up there, you walk away with a lot of really unique ideas and kind of have to unpack them over the course of time, but not all of them are bad. A lot of them are really interesting things to reflect on if you don't agree with them anymore, and good lessons to take with you if you, you know, kind of see them as, like, fruits of the spirit, for example.
1: I'm always impressed by just, like, and, of course, Texas is huge, so I'm sure someone has not had this experience with someone from Texas, but the people mm. in my life who I've met from that wonderful state, there's, like, a a warmth and a welcome to their home that I love um, mm. and I think when Chloe and I lived together, we both brought out in each other as um, people who were broke, but love to host events. Um, yes. <laughs> that I think... We'll spend our last dollar on a punch bowl. I kid you not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it. <laughs> we'll figure it out next week, but no mm-hmm. one will come over to this party and think that we are without. Hospitality. Hospitality. And it just, it's like this warmth that at least on the surface is there when they leave, it's a different story, but. I've always liked that and uh, admired that from the people I've met from from the Texas.
0: Yeah, I think that's super true. Like I distinctly have made note anytime I've gone into the home of a Texan or if I'm at home in Texas, it does feel distinctly different for me. It's It's the way that you keep home if you're... For, you know, probably that extends to a lot of the South. If you're from the South, if you're from Texas, there's something to uh, a pride of home. And then there's also something to like, they just know how to ask you if you want a glass of water when you walk through the door. And that's mm-hmm. not a universal thing, I realized later in life. <laughs> Sometimes you have to get your own glass of water or propose that you might have one if you could go into someone's kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it's a really small thing, but it's so real. Um, yeah. Can I get you a drink? What will you have?
1: Basic questions. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. That was new to me. Um, Mm. Parents just have first names in the wild, wild west of Oregon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Heathens. Heathens, I tell you. So you said that you were an imaginative child, which I know brought you to the theater. (laughs) Yes. When did you start practicing the dark arts?
0: It's a good question, Ryan. Um, So I was really, I mean, very bizarre as a kid. I don't know if anyone else has had this experience or if you've had this experience where you go back and you watch home videos of yourself and you see like there's just such a disconnect of little you, like tiny, Mm -hmm. tiny you. And you're like, who was that person and why? Was I doing that? I had one friend describe it to me as like, it made them cry. Like she felt like moved to tears watching a younger version of herself because it was oh, just no. such a like vulnerable, I guess, kind of experience. That wasn't my experience. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I, my sister, when we were little, uh, so I have one, one sibling, my older sister, Christina. And uh, when we were little, she was super, super, super chatty. She's three years older than me. And I was extremely quiet, which that had a hard reversal uh, in our teen years. But at the time when we were toddlers and whatnot, she was super chatty and I was very, very quiet. And I would just do weird things in the background of these videos. Number one was I always, my mom insisted. So Christina got to have the beautiful long hair. I had a chili bowl cut or shorter <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> my mom was like, it's cute. It's Dorothy Hamill. And I was like, whatever. But everyone else I now realized was like, um, <laughs> this is a bold choice. But I used to love the feeling of my hair on my ears. So in the back of the these videos, you just see me. Not responding, not answering to questions that the the spotlight's on Christina, and then I'm in the background, just shaking my head back and forth, and it just looks like I'm a disturbed child in the video, but I know from my memory that I was like listening to and contemplating the sound and feeling of my hair like swooshing back and forth across my eyes and over the tops of my ears, and like these are weird
1: visceral things that I did all the time. <laughs> That is why you are an author. Okay, that was you took me right there. You were in it. I can feel my bowl cut. I'm just swishing <laughs> it around.
0: Real life, friend. It's just bizarre. It just yeah. So I think that was it. Like that's when I joined the Dark Arts was just whatever it was about me, I was super conscientious of space. Um Do you remember ever when you were a kid putting your ear down on desks
1: like your school desk and oh, listening yeah.
0: to the empty sound? Of your desk.
1: Yeah, I remember <laughs> doing that to a lot of things because it was like, because Oregon has a coast. <laughs> Fun yeah. geography Coastal lesson. <laughs> um, people would come back and they'd be like, oh, I got this shell. You can hear the ocean in the shell. Right. And so I would listen to it. And then I grew up kind of being a little bit of an asshole. So I was like, I can hear the quote unquote sound of the ocean in this shell. But if I put my head to a wall or I put my head on a desk, I can hear the same thing, which must mean I'm magical and they're not. So for me, <laughs> totally. I was like, oh, I've I've found the secret. I've cracked the code. I don't need to go to the coast to get a <laughs> seashell. <laughs> I have my second grade desk. I have a power. Yeah. I have a magical ability. Talking about growing up being a little weird, I constantly thought I had little powers little things I remember of course Harry Potter came out in our our youths and Mm. I read that but I remember being very into and focused on like legit witchcraft because I was also watching movies (laughs) like the craft where you could like go to a store and get a magic book so I remember going to the public library and being with my mom and being like I would like a book on magic and my mom's like okay Harry Potter cool 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 and like walks me to the librarian and she tells the librarian that I want a book on magic. And I seriously, like, look up at this librarian and I'm like, no, like, real magic. And just, like, glare. And maybe six, seven. <laughs> and she's like, sure, I'll take you over to, like, Ella Enchanted. And I was <laughs> like, that's not what Which I Which is <laughs> probably real. <laughs> probably real. You
0: were like, no, I'm looking for the book of the dead, ma'am. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 100%. <laughs> or, like, I thought I could talk to cats with my eyes mm. for no reason. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is what brought me to the dark arts as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think making those little observations as a kid is, like, part of, and in caring about them, I guess, like, giving them any weight. I don't know. It's, it's probably opens up some of those doors to being a, a question asker, which opens up doors to, you know being a little imaginative, uh, dramatic
1: individual. Well, and I do know this. So we're just going to speed up a little bit. So you're mm-hmm. you're going through life. You're into mm-hmm. the theater. I mm-hmm. know that theater in Texas is competitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was <is> that? <laughs> so, okay, this is interesting. This is a good question. So
0: theater in Texas is competitive, but it's not competitive, at least in my experience, in the way that the Midwest was competitive. Like, you know, we... Spoiler alert. Ryan and I went to college in the Midwest and uh, theater college at that. And they... I feel like I met so many people who did, like, competed with, like, short uh, scenes from Les Mis and whatnot and, like, won awards on their blocking ability for these numbers in front of the barricade. and, And I don't know what that was. Like, that wasn't my life. But we did do certain competitions uh, that you could win state awards for. And yeah, I mean, that part of it was was fun and was fine. I was more, I wouldn't use the phrase pimped out, but I strongly <laughs> persuaded, uh, along with a couple of really close friends of mine, to help the school win money by participating in uh, speech and debate competitions. And uh, I have lots of really good stories relating to that experience because... It was really like with no preparation right when the season hit, having never thought about it before in my life. They were like, Chloe Day, you are the captain of our cross-examination debate team. No one here has ever done that. No one knows really what it is. You need a legal pad. You probably should have been preparing for years. But your meet is tomorrow, and you're going to be great. (laughs) And I did do it. Yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. That happened, and we surprisingly placed pretty well during our time (laughs) competing in uh, these areas. I remember I competed in poetry at one point. Uh, Just bizarre. Bizarre stuff.
1: Okay. I'm trying to picture (laughs) competitive poetry. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was one of those children that uh, put together elaborate numbers to compete Mm, in high school. Amazing. So, like, not only did we have... My high school only did one musical, and then one play. And the play was, like, your royalty because there were, like, maybe five people in the play, but there were 700 people in the musical. Mm, And then there was, uh like, The Elite Squad, which was group musical, which only my high school took as seriously as we did. Um, Everybody else I met (laughs) afterwards was, like, yeah, we, like, put together the number, like, the week before and had fun and whatever. We fully would pick what one single song from a musical we were going to learn in May and then rehearse it every day until the competition in February of the following year. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And we were like, this is it. This is how you do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. You have to imagine at some point you were probably working against yourself. Like you probably nailed it somewhere along the way and then you went too far and then hopefully you're able to to bring it back in time for the competition.
1: I remember being at competition and my director who like was reading a lot of football coach books and thinking that it like related he would have Mm -hmm. us go into a circle in a corner and close our eyes and say go and we had to visualize ourselves going through the number and if we all opened our eyes at the same time that meant we were a team
0: Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back to those magical abilities,
1: you yep. know. Yep. So mm-hmm. of course I was thrilled.
0: <laughs> of course, you wanted to be part of the team. Absolutely. You were like, this this is it. This well, is and it. things like that do feel really powerful when you're that age. I remember show circles before you go on, just being like, oh, "That was a really good. That was a good one. That I felt that." feel that deep in my soul. <laughs> you know, I am yeah. mentally, emotionally and spiritually aligned to be able to
1: execute cat in the hat on stage right now like no one has ever done it before. No one has ever done grease like us and no one will ever do grease like us again
0: because we found the real meaning.
1: We dug deeper. <laughs> And we are speaking our truth, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> we're laughing. But it does it is it does feel really important, and I don't think that's a bad thing either. I don't either. Mm-hmm. Um, have you watched Pen Fifteen at all?
0: <laughs> yes, inspired cheerly out of your own encouragement, um, I did watch it, and I think it is so painfully accurate to my middle school life. Yes, <laughs>
1: uh, the second it. season with just the severity of doing a play. And the the difference between being on tech and being an actor, I just oh. hid behind a pillow the whole time with the accuracy.
0: Oh no! Okay, I've not attempted to watch season two yet. Um, oh, it's so. It good. really does give me like a physical reaction to watch Pin 15, which I'm sure is true for many people. But that is gonna, as the kids say, that's gonna hit different. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna hit a little different.
1: So as you mentioned, uh, we Mm -hmm. met actually in college Mm -hmm. in Illinois. And just to like briefly touch on it, um, one thing that I'm impressed when I like look back and think about you in college is you kind of keyed in faster than I think a lot of people do in a, we're going to a BFA program school in that you can be creative in like, 9,000 ways and be good at that as opposed to like running with blinders on and I'm just like curious how that happened or if you even view yourself that way. My first
0: question would be Ryan what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I think I might know what what you mean but um do you mean like there are multiple avenues like queuing into kind of like there are multiple avenues for creativity and applying like creative expression and and whatnot yeah. or, okay oh yeah yeah so I actually think that started uh, when I was a, a junior in high school I had this fierce fierce competition with my very best friend um who she had been this is going to sound psycho to anyone not in theater so just I'm so sorry uh I promise I'm not crazy, (laughs) Um, but I I can't promise that. But, um, but anyways, we, so she had been the theater chosen or felt that way. She felt Mm -hmm. preordained uh, to be the natural choice for theater class president. Um, And my junior year, I don't know what happened to me, but I had this like little businessy type edge just suddenly take over myself. And I wanted to organize what was unorganized and bring balance to the force uh, in an administrative capacity, the things that I loved to do. And I just needed to get out in front of it. So anyway, I ended up, long story short, becoming theater president. It was a big war, lots of letters written to each other in Spanish class. You know, (laughs) we probably didn't talk forever, i.e. like maybe four or five days once. Um, Neither one of
1: you can speak Spanish because of it. (laughs)
0: no (laughs) least of all her but that's a funny story for another time she wouldn't mind me saying so (laughs) um but but yeah it was it was the high drama and when I went into college I think the same thing kind of overtook me like I really wanted to just be an actor like that's what I wanted to do I wanted to be a lady cop on tv hashtag Mariska Hard to cake oh my god and uh I want to be Olivia Benson that's what I wanted and I knew that it was going to happen for me, but then there was this thing that came up, which was we had a student-run theater on campus, or we had the opportunity to make one on campus, and I just needed to be a part of the project. Someone had asked me if I wanted to join, and then I got really passionate about it, and I think balancing this duality of like administrative and business and development uh, alongside these artistic pursuits just has remained a part of my life and everything That I've done, and in the end, I really am grateful for that because, as we learn, you know, when you go through go through life, a lot of things happen, and it's not just like, you know, it's 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 not just that you graduate theater school. Acting jobs are growing on trees. Gainful employment uh, for actors is growing on trees, and it's also not totally true that that's really the right path for you. That's kind of a myth, you know. So having that myth debunked early for me that I could still like value myself and not feel guilty or horrible um, by seeking fulfillment through being a really creative like business leader and administrative leader and kind of artistic visioner, envisioner, um, I think that really has helped me survive without feeling like, um, you know, without holding on to, to something for forever and feeling like all or nothing you know about my love of being on stage.
1: Yeah, and I mean mm-hmm. life is so long and up until right. pandemic stages were going nowhere. So it's like why not, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, right. Right. Well, definitely has been a big, yeah, eye-opening experience watching so many of my close friends lose their lose their industry, lose their line of work this year. Um gosh, it's just broken my it's broken my heart and um and I think that it's an area where I, I hope that everyone is able to achieve at least a little bit of a semblance of like disconnect, a healthy disconnect from their acting personas or their person, their identity as an actor um, to be able to enjoy and, you know, find value in this, in this period of time when the
1: stages are are dark. Just be vulnerable as yourself, you know?
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> be vulnerable. <Brown>. Be real. <laughs>
1: P Live real. your truth, Brene.
0: Yes, sir. Re-
1: mm-hmm. Real eyes, real real and that's Brave what I like to say.
0: The wilderness.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just every every sign. Dare to lead. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you graduate. You've run a theater company. You move to Chicago. And then you start what I think is just such a journey to have. So it was. Correct me if I'm wrong. Chicago. Mm-hmm. San Fran, Mm -hmm. Chicago, briefly, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: New York, Mm -hmm. Seattle. Correct. Do you have all of your possessions with you now? (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) I don't. I I have
0: no idea what I owned three years ago, two years ago, 10 years ago. Some things I think have been with me from the beginning, but I also love like the magic art of tidying up <laughs> like I just love getting rid of things I love purging myself of stuff and I especially love capsule wardrobing so my clothes just man I donate the heck out of them I'm constantly trying to reduce them I'm fighting against my worser demons in that area all the time but yeah I've really enjoyed moving just as much as I've I've hated it like like we talked about kind of referencing back to that Texas thing like I hate moving because I hate being unrooted in many ways mm-hmm. but i also and this is going to sound so dumb but i also just don't like it's how, what i've been doing now for a decade and i don't really know how to um stop that that pattern like it, it's almost a personal challenge a personal goal for me to fulfill to like figure out how to be comfortable and like keep my feet firmly planted on the ground on the other hand i don't think that's like something they give awards for so i'm not <laughs> not judging myself for it but it is yeah, it is a little weird to feel in between these two things. To be such a home building person, but also be constantly on the
1: on the move. Well, and I just think you're so good at that in any economic moment in your life. Um, which I Thanks, think you right. would say has been a wild <laughs> up and down. Um, it's been wild. <laughs> but you would never know. You uh, would never know. No,
0: I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was I really like as a person, having my finances in check is like extremely important to me. I know you and I have talked about this. I tie it really closely my my identity. <laughs> Something I found out whenever, um, you know, shit hit the proverbial fan a few years ago. And I had to kind of rebuild, like not kind of rebuild, like super definitely from scratch rebuild. And I hated it. <laughs> I felt like so far away from myself. And that really prompted an awesome self-analysis, though, in the end of kind of like, why do I hold those things so close to myself? You know, why do I identify so close with my ability to create Income, where does this sense of providership come from? Like what's healthy about it, what's not? Take what you want or you know leave the rest behind, blah, blah blah, blah blah. And I've been happy to say that uh, I've, I've rebuilt, <laughs> which is great, um, which has been wonderful and, and certainly something you know that I think I can be be proud of. but yeah, it it was a wild ride there for a little bit, um, mostly entirely in New York City. I won't say as a result of, but I'm not saying she's not to blame.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but we got to experience one of one of the, I think, fine joys of life that, I I mean, I hold dear to my heart and I'm sure people will for the rest of their life, but that's uh, working in the restaurant industry in New York. I think it's just like such a specific um, blackout period for so many people's lives. <laughs> Yes, I but it's such,
0: such a good thing. I mean, like there are things about it that I think are meant to be overcome, you know, mm-hmm. like the paychecks, like you should demand better valuation of your time. Like everyone, yeah. everybody should, everyone who is stuck in an underpaying industry should absolutely constantly be pushing the needle for themselves or for the industry on getting what what you deserve out of your time. But I really, yeah, could not be more grateful, Ryan, for our time in New York restaurants. Uh, It made me grittier. It made me more grateful. And not just because it sucked. It was often wonderful for me, you know, at least for my part. I have many things that I adore about that period of time. Um, Yeah, it really has made me, I think, kind of a more productive, uh, thankful individual.
1: I think when it when it's working, it has this nice balance that I connect to between, Mm -hmm. I have all this knowledge about food and wine and things that people find like smart, but bougie and kind of unnecessary. Right. It's a little like Mm highbrow. But it's also mixed with someone like arguing with me that their steak is medium when it's not, you know, like (laughs) it's got like (laughs) such high highs and lows. (laughs)
0: Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes, that's very, very true. Like, And, and it is. It's great, like, party trick knowledge um, to, to have. And going back to, again, that love of uh, homemaking and making people comfortable and, and hus- being hospitable and whatnot, like, there is a strong, obvious connection between that and uh, entertainment as an industry, and restaurants and hospitality as an industry. And I, yeah, it does, it does give back to you in a lot of ways in those moments, but can also be just some of the most, you can find people who want to put you in the most demeaning, degrading situations you can imagine. And it's really difficult to make sure you stay on top of your boundaries, you know, while you're doing that.
1: And when in doubt, you know, just
0: stairwell line. Yeah. So yeah. yes, <laughs> or, or stairwell champagne, St- stairwell uh-huh. bubbles never hurt anybody yeah. on a fancy night when the, when the mood is right. Whiskey, <laughs> if the situation really calls for it, absolutely. Stairwell wine. Mm-hmm. Michelle Branch radio, she cures all. Oh, Michelle Branch radio, yes, indeed. Yeah, that's uh, a playlist could really set the mood
1: for a floor. Uh, absolutely. So I think we've we've touched on this. Quite a bit, but um, I have to ask you the question: Why are you like this? Why
0: am I like this? That's that's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Ryan, <laughs> I like—I I don't know—I'm either self-indulgent or really introspective or just like really curious. Let's go with curious. So I think about this a lot, and I think it's that's because it's important. It's important to anyone. I hope everyone has an opportunity to kind of like unpack themselves, but it's really important for some of the things that I've been interested in, like writing and acting and anything that really kind of involves a little second glance at yourself um really to make sure you don't you know hop in front of your own work or your own way or whatever but um, yeah, I don't know. I think for me, why well, I am the way that I am, um I think one of the biggest things is part of what we touched on um, about life in Texas, like there are little pockets of of the stories of me growing up that, you know, we wouldn't really touch on in this kind of a capacity, but are things that you kind of know about my life. Some people know about my life, um, but have made me, I think, a really, you know, good combination or a combination that I'm grateful for of both like gritty and a little tough. And I still really, my heart is um, in a place of like, wanting to always be kind and understanding of others and nurture others. It's like a really big calling or feeling uh, for me. That's always what I am hoping I can give off to people or the effect I can have on others or the mindset that I hope to have. And I really hate little periods of time where I get like dark and embittered and whatnot. You are a cancer. I am a cancer. It happens. (laughs) The moodiness happens, (laughs) but yes, it does come along with a lot of care. And I think that's, I think that's from, like, when I mentioned, you know, I went to go live with my grandparents when I was a kid, that was a result of, um, my dad was a real estate broker, is a real estate broker, and he dealt with a massive um, economic crash, and several since then, uh, when I was a little kid, when I was uh, about two years old, and I didn't, I didn't have any awareness of this at the time, but we went to go live with my grandparents, just me, my mom, and my sister, and we were staying at a cabin on their farm while my dad uh, stayed at home and by day he was a you know white collar businessman um doing doing real estate being a broker but by night he was working multiple jobs you know um anything from delivering food to like construction work being one of the guys on the highway with like the slow down signs um oh, wow. you know kind of directing traffic and then back into um you know doing land deals um, in the morning and I think I took a lot away from every aspect of that when I was little I think it really um, even just kind of being on the periphery of it I think my dad really inspired me quite a bit that he was willing and able and and uncomplaining in his um, responsibility I guess to, that he had chosen to take up of having his family and his daughters um in need of you know more stability even during an downturn like that that he wasn't his fault um so rising to the occasion I think that spoke to me a lot and then watching my mom you know rise to the occasion on her own as well like you you know my mom I know my mom she is never like if she could have her way about it I think she would make an incredible uh housewife oh my god (laughs) and she would she would relish it um but she was so willing to like hop in the ring and um you know she's she's a goofy woman, a elegant, goofy woman. And so on the midst, like in this with this backdrop of my dad kind of setting things right and working day and night to um, to provide for us, I also had my mom who was going to work. she was teaching during the day. We were you know in and out of our grandparents' care, which was again, wonderful. Um, but I was being inspired by by her just trying to make things joyful and and funny and goofy and still magical for us as toddlers. And then, of course, being around um, grandparents, something I could talk about for a million years, which I won't do. But if you ever have, I hope everyone has been able to have the fortune of being around our oldest generation for a period of their lives, because it provides so much perspective. But I think it gave me a really deep um, look into, I don't know, life, I guess, like I was really exposed to death when I was a kid because all of their friends were, you know, not scary, awful deaths. um, But my aunts and uncles and their members of their generation were passing away and contracting diseases and whatnot. And they had such a, you know, Christian kind of view and hopeful view of, of death and life that I adopted at a super young age. So I think when you mix all that up together, that's kind of, how I became like this (laughs) Um, those are a lot of the foundational things that I took with me whether I wanted to or not you know into
1: adulthood no I love that it it, I mean I guess this whole episode is about my love for Texas but yeah it is that um that welcome to my home outward look with the like internal grit of I'm gonna make this work that I think makes Mm -hmm. people from Texas very special and um, yeah And the fact that every waffle iron I've ever seen in Texas makes waffles in the shape of Texas, which like more power to you. (laughs) Literally, when you just said waffle iron, couldn't envision anything else. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite thing. It's the best thing. No, but I think that's really the things that we experience as children. Uh, For good or for bad, we pull forward into our adulthood. And I think you have found a beautiful way to bring that into your life as you have traveled the country and changed jobs. And I don't know, from my perspective, given fully to whatever your current project is.
0: um... (laughs) I'm in sales (laughs) once again. But I mean, I'm honestly the happiest in a, in a role that I've, that I've ever been in. I love working for the company that I work for. Honestly, it's like we talked about having an opportunity to be creative. I get to be very mentally dexterous um, and strategic and uh, have a lot of ownership in in my role. And I I love that. It really scratches that kind of itch for me of everything that we've talked about. So it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's really something I've been able to take take along with me.
1: Um, Who knew it was all because you wanted to be drama class president your junior year of high school.
0: (laughs) Seriously, I really wish I could remember what inspired that because it really was a switch. I mean, I went from this is a direct quote from freshman year of high school, Chloe, to my geography teacher, bless you, Mrs. Reinhardt, wherever you are. Uh, She was asking me why I wasn't doing my homework. And I said, I have a very laissez-faire outlook on education, (laughs) Mrs. Reinhardt. And I remember she laughed, which thank you for that. <laughs> she had mercy on my soul. Um, But but like, yeah, just like a stinker. And just like I envisioned myself like kind of in that Joni Mitchell, like I was going to grow mm, yeah. up and be like a little bit of, a, you know, West Coast hippie. That's what I wanted. That's what I envisioned for myself. But yeah, that totally switched over. Two years later, it was like binders and blazers, man. We are <laughs> going to be the president. Of anything I can get my hands on. And uh,
1: yeah, I, whatever it was, whatever that flip was, I'm grateful. I have gratitude. Binders and Blazers is definitely the title of this episode. Binders
0: and Blazers with like a Texas, like a like a ranch, like a trailblazer. Yeah. That's the that's the logo that won't probably get made for that as well. <laughs> but Picturing a lot of
1: finger guns. Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
0: And then the yeah. pew-pews. You even yeah. included them in the intro,
1: so... <laughs> All right. So as we are winding down, um, I like to ask my guests, guests, Mm. do you have any questions for me? Do I have any questions for you? Ryan,
0: I, I think I always have just so many questions for you. Yeah, I think, I think this is my question, which is, I mean, first of all, I'm so glad that you're working on this project. I think that's awesome. And, you know, we've talked a lot offline um, about how I think you're a really natural, you know, conversationalist and interviewer. And I think that's a great um, place for you to be. But how are you in such a crazy year? You've had to do a lot of reorganizing, I'm sure, to think of what to do uh, when the stage is, is not available and auditions are really not quite what they ever were before. Um, how are you envisioning yourself right now? How are you feeling about your identity? In twenty twenty
1: yeah, um well, thank you. I do think I'm a wonderful conversationalist <laughs> yes. um, I only have first dates. I don't know why they go to the sec they don't go to the second, but that's for later. Um, I think well, I think I got lucky so um, you know this, but for the people at home in twenty nineteen, I had um, quite a severe uh, mental uh, break. Um, while I was living in New York and I was blessed enough to be able to come home to my parents' house in Oregon and be in the suburbs and be kind of out of it all and do a lot of the reevaluating that um, I'm seeing a lot of my friends and people in my field being forced to do now due to the pandemic Um, and I got to do it on my time so for me i got to get out of the city see what my life would be without being in an audition room and see if that was something that i wanted to pursue um, or if i wanted to go back and i think because i got to do that on my own time um, when i got back to new york in january of this year i already had um my goals and my plans set out um i was going to start doing stand up i was going to do this podcast i was going to um just broaden my open up my creative world and use all of my creative talents to be what i deem my best type of entertainer so i think because i got to do that um the severity of theater shutting down hasn't really impacted my creativity in the way that I've seen a lot of my friends who have just been like on the grind and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, this came out of nowhere. Nobody planned for it. Nobody asked for it. But now you have to have those conversations with yourself. And as my quote unquote generation of artists is starting their 30s, it's not the same as being fresh from school. So I've I've gotten to see people handle it in different ways. And, um, while I'm not thrilled by my, uh, moments in the summer Mm -hmm. of 2019, I am proud of the time and the energy I took to work on myself to be able to see this as a long-term goal, um, that I'm just continuing to create and work for.
0: Yeah. 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 Totally. Beautifully, beautifully put. Ray. Beautifully put. Oh, and thank very, you. I mean, I felt this way at the time and I'm sure I've mentioned it to you, but you know, very proud of you as, as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. And who knew just kind of crazy how timing worked where you were able to get ahead of an unprecedented mm. year, unprecedented do times. Do you think that's a of say the that. year? <laughs> People should use that phrase more often.
1: People should use that one. Uh, they should
0: consider that. Yeah. I didn't
1: think my autocorrect would work on unprecedented, but every time I write it, it's like necessary or definitely.
0: They're trying to discourage the use. It's been <laughs> abused this year. <laughs> They're trying to to dial it down. Um, Yeah.
1: Autocorrect is against it.
0: It's against it. It's yeah, it's done with, with this year and that phrase. Um, But yeah, I, I love that, Ryan. And I think that something that's great about you that you know, I, I, de- is weirdly like, and I only say weirdly because of everything else that you just described that you were processing during that time, but you do this really well. And I find that so many other people really struggle with it. So maybe it's worth stating here at the end, I think, cause I think it's we're towards the end of our time, but you're towards the end of our time, um, which is just, I'm glad you believe this. And I think everyone should believe this. I think it's made a big difference for me, but like embracing the idea that you are qualified I mean mm-hmm. within reason like I am not qualified to like dismantle a bomb <laughs> like I'm not right. going to manifest that I am in a critical moment that leaves people injured and maimed so <laughs> there are exceptions but for so so many things you, you you are qualified to to do that and if you will just like give yourself the creative room authority and and belief and permission to put yourself ahead of and, and in front of opportunities and to be flexible when the tables turn on you, which does happen mm-hmm. constantly and all the time. You know, I think you really, that's kind of at the heart of, of some of what we covered here is like you are going to be able to land like a cat, <laughs> like a mm-hmm. black magic cat from Ryan's childhood. <laughs> You'll be able to like land on, on your feet. Um, yeah. I, I'm constantly shocked at how many people tell me, I'm not qualified for this. I'm, I'm thinking largely of all the layoffs this year and helping people look for their next thing. And yeah, just I, I'm grateful that that you feel that way, Ryan. I'm grateful that you know that about yourself, and really hope everyone else knows that about themselves. Yeah. If you don't, and you're at home, hey, you're qualified.
1: Hey, you can do it. It's all life skills. Yeah. Just the way that you write it down on a sheet of paper for someone.
0: Yes, everything, absolutely.
1: Everything we do is learning, and. I mean, besides the very specific um bomb removal squad, most jobs <laughs> yes. are a bit flexible, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and so most jobs, I mean many non technical jobs, really rely on uh confidence, creative ability, you know, clarity of thought, and then just like just doing it, just yeah. having that bias for action to to do the things that are set before you. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you break it down to something that simple, you know, I hope everyone can realize that you can do something. And I'm really glad, Ryan, that you are taking on this project, this podcast.
1: Kudos. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as always, it has been a delightful conversation, Miss Chloe Day. Where can the children find you?
0: The children?
1: (laughs) Don't find me. Um, No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
0: I... Have let's see. I have multiple, I guess, Insta handles, but um, I mainly use, you know, Chloe M Day, M Amazon Michelle. Mm. Um, but yeah, Chloe M Day on Instagram. So where I tend to to hang out. I also run a bookstagram, uh, which is connected to my website, um, where I write where I write things, and that's Bold, dot com. You see, there's Oof. some alliteration there.
1: I like that thanks well thank you for joining me chloe this has been so much fun yeah me too so much fun until next time folks goodbye